This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. With Ken Laird. A bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's a killer. Yeah. Yeah. Lace him up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. 30th of July, another edition of the Skate Podcast. It's Ken Laird and Matt Calvin, who is WEEI.com's finest Bruins writer and really their only Bruins writer. Welcome, Matt, back to your podcast. Exciting day today. We have callers lined up for yep. later in the show, Paul actual, and Bob. Yep, good callers, too. We yep. can give a little tease that uh, yep, good people that have been Bruins fans for a long time, people who are rational. There was no... Uh, Get rid of Rask or, you know, no. get rid of even the trade version. Yeah, come with solutions. <laughs> one local, one uh, 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 far away, Florida. One Florida Bruins fan. Anyway, yeah. before we get there, I want to start with a, uh, a nothing, but we need an update. McAvoy and Carlo continue to be the story. What's happened in the last week? Anything. What are you hearing? What are your sources saying? It's what just is radio going silence, on? right? You can't get any calls or emails back. It's just radio silence right now. And, I guess I mean, there was Matt McAvoy continues to wakeboard and there was one tweet anything. unverified that we probably shouldn't mention, but it's a podcast, so why not? Somebody saying that they showed Charlie McAvoy at the golf course and uh, he didn't tip the the caddy or something like that. But anyway, <laughs> maybe he's waiting for the big he's deal. Waiting. To, he's waiting but for the big him deal. Him and IOU. But I mean, this is kind of ridiculous now when you think about it, and uh, you can go ten percent over the cap. There's no excuses right now. Get these guys done, especially McAvoy. Get it done. I mean, what is what is the what is the wait? What are you thinking right now? It's seven well, times seven. Is, it's eight times seven. We know what it is. We know what the we know what the number is. We well, know that's what, not what, what the he Bruins is. Number is, and you know that. That's the, crazy. But 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 again, if you want to bitch about bad contracts that the Bruins have signed free agents to over the years, how can you blame them for wanting to play hardball with? They don't want a bad. <laughs> These are not the people they, you play. They, they hard, you bargain. don't. You don't look at your bad contracts if you're talking. You know, Bacchus or whatever. You don't uh, Obaleski. You don't uh, then you know get your revenge on the. NHLPA by taking it out on on the future of your defense core. I mean, seriously. Well, uh, okay. When they signed Bergeron in twenty fourteen, yeah, eight right. years, fifty two million. Yep. Was it considered top market value? No, it was considered already a, a you know a fan a team friendly team deal, friendly for deal. Sure. So that's what they're looking for, right? But you don't. That's get, the standard. But, but they're, they're, Patrice is already in his right late twenties. Tony McAvoy is like what twenty two? Yeah, but they're saying this is before oh, your time. Man. You've got to take. It's, the it's next not how it works. That's not how it works anymore. I know. But if, if you're in your early twenties, you cash in, and this is what it's going to be, and you, you have to the, accept but that. But if you were Don Sweeney, you wouldn't. You would just walk in there and say, "We'll give you what you want." Open, open checkbook. Not open checkbook. I would give you the comparables, and you're better than Aaron Ekblad, and you're better than Jacob Trouba. Probably in the long run, and these are the and you, we you, we don't have any options. We don't have alternatives right now. You know, uh, 
this is the guy you drafted. You traded Dougie Hamilton. You had you had a reset with Charlie McAvoy. You've been looking for the heir apparent. Uh, these are the guys. What are you going to give that money to Matt Grizzlick? Is that what you're going to do, Ken? Well, I mean, they have other players to sign. They have other players to sign, and there's plenty of room to sign these guys. You know, in, in two years, you know, next year you'll have Krug off the books. The year after that, you'll have Krejci off the books. Um, and obviously, the cap will go up, you know, a little bit. We don't know what the CBA is going to look like. Somebody's opting out in September. Either somebody's opting out in September, or there's going to be a renegotiation. So there might be some differences in the escrow. Um, there might be some differences in how the cap, you know, the cap, sh- once they get, once they settle the escrow issue yeah. and they're able to increase the cap more, and this is getting really boring and I hope people aren't driving off the road listening to this. That's why we opened with this. Open <laughs> with the good stuff. So, always, the always good news and the drive off Always the good stuff. escrow talk. But yeah. the point is, you know what? One of our crawlers, I'm, I'm going to really tease it right now. He brought up the fact that they should maybe go after Chris Kreider and, and try to really take advantage of this window. He's so right. Aren't you sick and tired as a Bruins fan, as a Bruins person covering the team of hearing about the future and four years down the road eight years down the road we might not even be here by then i mean look what the world's going on out there who knows what's <laughs> going to happen do it max out and go for it now you yeah. know what you, you did it you did it the right way to get back to this point you didn't tank like our one of our crawlers is going to talk about the fact that they were able to stay competitive all these years and then recharge the way they did game seven the cup final but seriously now stop thinking about four not, or five years down that's the road not been the Bruins it's philosophy. ridiculous that's what's kept them as we've pointed out, well, the Athletic did a great piece. I featured it on the previous podcast. They have been a contender for a longer window, uh, longer than anybody in the National Hockey League. Well, they've only won one. Well, then we're back in the 80s where they're always going to come up short, and you, we're back into that 88, 90, 92, 93 mode where you're just not good enough. I mean, you just you, you got to just do it sometime, and you got to pay the price. You know, you want to throw Peter Shirelli under the bus all you want, okay, for the the, the number the, the uh, contracts he gave out and the contracts, especially after they won, but... Two years after they won, they were back in the cup final, lost to a historic Chicago team. The next year, they won the President's Trophy, and he just kept throwing money at Now, yeah, the Ginla thing killed them. They were in cap jail. They had like $6 million in dead weight. Yeah. You had Seidenberg waiting too much for what he was at the time. Um, but sometimes you just got to do that, and then you just got to re- regroup that way and recover. Look what the Penguins do. Your Penguins do this all the time, right? They get the cap jail, and they find ways to free themselves. And, you know, all credit to the Bruins for at least getting to the cup final. You could be in Nashville's cup jail where they haven't been in a couple of years now and they, they have never, they've never won, so they've had some issues. But this is the way you got it. Sometimes this is you not gotta, the Penguins. The Penguins are peaks and valleys. This team is steady, knocking on the sometimes door. Sometimes you just got to put yourself in cap jail if it's going to put you over the top. Just sign again you know, for a year and $6 million, right? A lot of talk about LTIR and what the Maple Leafs are doing. I mean, the Bruins are just not going to do that, that, not going to go that route anymore. That's another way they ended up in cap jail was because with the Savard contract. They were using the LTIR, and they had to put bonuses for some of their younger guys. And now with every team having so many younger guys, there's so many more bonuses. It, but sometimes you just got to put yourself in cap jail and, and and try to win. And instead of, I mean, what's the st- is the status quo? They're a, they're a great team. They're going to be in the top three in the quo. division. Are they going to win the cup though? Well, Can you, you, you honestly? Say? You know what worries me the most? You mocked me. You and Pete mocked me when I said they might not make the playoffs. If if they if McAvoy holds out until December. They could miss out on some points that could affect that. There, there is there is an issue if you're. I don't think you you phrased it quite that way. If if they're they're without Charlie McAvoy for that length of time, yes, and other things don't fall into place, sure it could cost them. I just don't. I still don't see Buffalo or Florida or somebody overtaking them, even to be in the top three in the division. So one out to support that point. I have another piece in the athletic that I want to bring up. Oh okay. God, is this the all bean pot team? No, or no, no. All, or what, what's what are the Bruins going to look like in twenty twenty six? This is Ian Tullock's. <laughs> 
top breakout candidates for 2019-2020 in, yeah. in the National Hockey League. Now, there are no Bruins players on here. Should okay. there be, first of all. Before, and then okay. Rookies are not eligible. Right. Okay? So this is... Well, I saw somewhere else somebody said Danton Heinen was a uh, a breakout candidate. That might have been Ryan Lambert or someone like that. Might okay. Have that, you, so. Do you expect that? Do you think Heinen will actually... I think, I think you have to expect 20 goals out of that guy and, you know, in the same two-way play, at least, but at least 20 goals out of that guy. What did Heinen have this year in the regular season? I'm Googling as we speak. You can hear that in the background. I'm going to guess and say 14. Uh, 16. So it's ah, not see? a huge breakout year. So, so at least 47 20. 47 points, 77 games played. Yeah. Twenty? How about twenty points and how about twenty goals and sixty points? Is that fair to say that he takes that next step as a third liner? I wouldn't say it's a huge breakout of four additional goals, but I, I, I you know, Pete, you're right. They need Hyden. Carson Coleman would be another. Okay. Although I don't really think we can pencil him in for twenty goals. I don't even think you can pencil him into the lineup. I do. I mean, you're br- you're bringing you're bringing Richie and uh, and Lindholm in. You're you're probably going to play those guys. There might not even be a spot for Coleman. He might be uh, back in the AHL, but yeah, he could be in there. But you're not going to really look at him for points because he's probably if if, he, if you're a good team, he's playing in your bottom six. He's not playing on the second line again. Right. All right. Now there's se- the reason I bring this up: breakout candidates. Yeah. In this guy's top ten, there are several Atlantic Division breakout candidates. One of them is on the Buffalo Sabers. Rasmus is it Dalene or Dalene? Rasmus Dalene. Dalene. Okay. okay. Now he was number one overall pick a couple okay. years ago, so it's not that yeah, so shocking. I, yeah, I don't know why you call him a breakout candidate, but, but okay. Okay. So now are the Sabres the team that you fear? Maybe not really. But I'm not going to fear any team that's built around Jack Eichel right now. The guy has not shown me any type of you know leadership qualities or right. ability to dominate a game more than once or twice a year. No. Okay. By the way, also on this list, Ryan Donato. Uh, who's, who's, uh, hey, speaking of Ryan Donato, I was watching the Nesson had a game from against Anaheim on the other day, yeah, and man. I forgot about the Ryan Donato, JFK, Danton Heinen kid line. <laughs> that was a highlight of the season we didn't talk <laughs> enough about. All right, now, but let's get to the contenders. Toronto yeah. and Tampa. Yeah. Three players from Toronto and Tampa combined on this list of breakout surprising players. The athletic, guess who this is? Surprisingly, the Athletic is so you know sold in on Toronto. I, I can't imagine Your why. Your guy, Travis Dermott, makes the oh, list. God. He's not even going to play like the first half of Leafs the year, right? defenseman. Aggressive in the neutral zone. Uh, makes these plays with consistency. Helps explain why he has the fourth fewest carry-ins against while targeted last season. Uh, preventing zone entries. So he's they're saying he's, he's like a neutral zone savant. Absolutely. Travis Dermott's gap Nothing control is phenomenal. Nothing gets me more phenomenal. excited than the zone entries. <laughs> All right. If you don't buy that, yeah. two Tampa Bay Lightning breakout players Anthony on this Sorelli. list. Anthony Sorelli. No. No. Matthew Joseph, right wing. He's a, he's a bottom mentioned. guy. Okay. But JT Miller's traded, right? Okay. So, so Joseph's going to be bump bumped up, up to play in the top six. Naturally could Yippee. fill in the void. And Mikhail Sergachev, defenseman. Yeah, I mean, he might he might take a step. I'm not. I mean, we know what the Lightning are, right? If they get points signed, they're just as good as they were last year. They won't, you know, probably break any records, but they're going to be tough. But, but, if we've, but we've seen the Bruins beat them. Jump up and have breakout years again. That if is Joseph is just replacing beat. Miller, then it's not a bump up. It's just a guy replacing another guy. <laughs> it's not. Now let's get to Vasilevsky. Yeah, the contract huge. I just contract. don't get it. I don't get why these teams are so. I don't get your column on this, but oh, but uh, that's first of all. Well, I, I don't get it either. I was just throwing words together, like I said. I, I really <laughs> didn't understand what I was trying to say. But my point was, first of all, the the idea that this tr- this contract makes Tuca look underpaid. Well, that was Marinovsky who set you off. Basically. Made no sense. Marinovsky said. Well, and then of course Hags writes the you know maybe Tuca's not as overpaid as we thought. Who the hell is we? He's the only one who thought that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Who is he a we? Is he big enough to be a we now? Is that he sounds like the president? People are saying. But anyway, you can't compare the thirty-three-year-old goalie and the twenty-five-year-old goalie. Okay, correct. So it's it's which you did in your column, which was was kind of funny. No, you're I, saying you can't compare. Right. And you and you're saying nobody's now is saying. Rask what I'm is saying overpaid. is that Rask at seven five with with uh, Halak at two seven five in today's NHL makes more sense than nine five and one guy. I don't care how but, good you are. You're not paying. You're not going to play sixty-five games anymore and win the cup. It's just not going to happen. Braden Holtby had to go from starting sixty-something games to fifty-something games. Didn't even start the playoffs because Grubauer had you know played pretty well and earned himself the number one job. They go in and then obviously switch to Holtby, win the cup. But the guy was rest, rested and refreshed. If this year's Tuukka Rask playoff performance doesn't sell you on the idea that every team should be going for a two goalie system in the regular season and then you, right and then, and then you, you and then you ride the goal as as you but you also i mean we don't really want to go down this rabbit hole but you also always had the threat and the opportunity that if Tuka did falter as we talked yeah, about yeah. you could At go the to the, the other playoffs, guy you and I and Pete argued about exactly. this and the leash and everything the, else but meanwhile there's no way Flor, you know Tampa is going to go in the playoffs and if Vasilevsky stinks they're going to go to McElhinney. The, no. the the Panthers don't have anyone behind Bobrovsky right now. I don't know what they're thinking. And to bring back the Leafs, because someone on Twitter said I have a Toronto fetish, you which do. is great. You know, Freddie Anderson is is handing the ball off to who if he's struggling or he gets hurt. I mean, who who are they leaning on these teams? All right, but your point is, I mean, you're you're giving the Bruins credit for a two goalie system, which they they are lucked into right now. If Tuukka Rask was in his prime, as you point out they would not be able to have him on a team-friendly contract. When they signed him the same year they did Bergeron for eight years and $56 million, he was th- among the highest-paid goaltenders in the league, right? He was second-highest yeah. behind Pecorine. But so at that time, Carey Price he hadn't gotten his next deal yet. He wasn't that old, right? but they wouldn't have had a two-goalie system. So now they have, they have the luxury to be able to, and they have to. Rask has well, shown that they need a They wouldn't have had system. a goal. Listen, that's 2013, this is 2019. The game has changed since then even. And I think everyone's been adapted to that to bring up Washington again. They thought Holtby would be a 60, 70. You know, right. Pecorine at the time was playing that many games. You know, they had these young backups. They, they were rotating them in, you know, Juicy Soros and all these guys they were, they were rotating in. So since then, we've learned it takes two goalies. Um, Jordan Binnington won, but he didn't play the first half of the season in the right. NHL. Right. We don't know what he's going to be. Now, they're, they're, the Blues are investing about $8 million in their goalies. A kid who won the cup, but we don't know how good he really is over the long haul. And Jake Allen, who we know how inconsistent he is. Yeah, you know, yeah. Dallas to me is the perfect scenario right here. They have Bishop and they have Hudobin, and they're paying like eight million for the two of them. They got they got Bishop on a deal when he was thirty one, thirty two. That's gonna go. It goes four more, five more years. So they're not gonna look so. <laughs> that's not gonna look so good in, in maybe one or two years at this point. No. So you know when you have a Tuka Rask and you decide that he's the goalie to to, to build around and you keep him. You know, the $7 million at the time was fair market, and it wasn't carry price $10 million, and it's left you enough room that the cap has increased enough over the years that, yeah, you're still investing 12% of your cap into goaltending. But, again, it's not the 15% that some teams are, and then the teams that are maybe at 10% aren't getting the great goaltending that they want. And this is the Lightning's problem now. Yeah, but let's say, because the, the Bruins' long-term plan and goal is what? I mean, they're not going to sign Rask beyond well, this year. if you wanted to really contract, get into really? like what's going on after Rask, I, I, there's no answer. There's, there's no, no answer. But there's it, no but, talk but, but right now. But let's say one of the yeah. their prospects. All right, let's, in, say, let's say Kaiser. I'd say he maybe is the, is, the, is the legit, is okay. the, of the three guys right now. Okay, let's say he's the guy. Yeah. And then in five years, he's a star of Carey Price level. Right. Are they not going to sign him to a 
Vasilevsky-esque contract and go with a one goalie system? I mean, it, it, it's not like the Bruins say, no, we're not doing that. We're getting, we're getting, we'll trade them for two average goalies or two above average. Goalies. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do that. You would ship him out. You would ship out Carey Price. You would ship out. I would explain to Vasilevsky. him that he needs that he's he needs to take a little less so we have a backup because you need to have a backup. I mean, you can't put all your eggs in one goalie, and. Uh, it's just the way the game you is can't gone. If it's the right young. I mean, and the fact is, this kid might come up, and he's not going. They're not even going to ask him to play sixty, sixty-five off the bat. You're going to be a fifty-game guy. No, right off the bat, for sure. So, but I'm, but I'm saying, even when he's in his prime, if he's if he plays as well as Tuca, they're not going to ask him to play sixty, sixty-five anymore. They they're going to want to preserve these you guys. Have, you do not know that. Five years from now, they may it's, ask him to play sixty I, games, sixty-five. I'm looking games. beyond hockey. I'm looking at all the sports. Everything is about preservation of guys. The NBA gives guys off. You know, yeah, but it's a cap league with a hard cap. You can't compare. I mean, that you get into a, a situation where you well, can't, it is a hard cap, and that's why that's why the, that's why the the scale the pay scale is going to go down. You're not going to have the ten million dollar goalies anymore after Bobrovsky. You know, flops in year one or two of this. Deal. Ooh, ooh. People are going to look at the Panthers as a cautionary tale, and this isn't going to happen anymore. It'd be crazy. Better contract. Vasilevsky the Carey Price thing is already a flop. I don't care how great Carey Price is. No, it's not his fault. He has no. But I'm, I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm saying the Canadians doing that is stupid, and we knew it was stupid at the time. And you know, he signed for like six more years. He's still elite, though. <laughs> I mean, what were they supposed to do? Trade he's Carey not, Price? He's not elite. He's like, I was looking it up yesterday. Yes, he's like he 46th in goals saved above average the last two years combined. Well, I blame Claude. I always have. Absolutely. It's definitely Claude's fault. <laughs> uh, Vasilevsky and Bobrovsky in yeah. the state of Florida. Those two monster contracts for the next right. eight, ten, eight years for the... The next eight years, those guys are going to be the goaltenders of the Florida team. Totally different stories. It is amazing. I can I can kind of justify the Vasilevsky thing. The Bobrovsky thing blows my mind, and it really has the chance to destroy a franchise because if and when he flops and that team continues to go nowhere and draw 2,000 people a game who got freebies at the mall, um, they're in trouble. But your official take is that the Bruins should root for their goalie prospects to not be elite because you do not want to get locked into signing a guy like Vasilevsky for a 10-year <laughs> elite contract. Elite goaltenders are going to play 50-55 games. And, and the, you like don't I said, want elite the goaltenders. The scale goes down. Root against elite goaltenders. Root for the New York well, Islanders duo do you really think there's going to be a, Grice. Do you really think there's going to be a 65-70 game goalie down, coming down the pipe? Someone that's gonna, yes, and Vasilevsky. That's going to be able to star in the play- How did he do in the playoffs last year? Not his fault. Right. Keenan Thompson said it. He set the record for fewest playoff wins. <laughs> he said the that, Tampa. He that, ten, that tends to be the, the greatest line. That might be the greatest line well, the great I've ever joke. heard. Especially since the cameras show the three of them yeah, staring well, off classic. as if they were being kidnapped. <laughs> uh, beautiful. All right. All right. First in the history of the Skate Podcast, Calvin, we are going to go to the phone lines. Because, we, are, we are the uh, podcast of the people. Yeah, right. We, we first get, we had you know freedom of speech with Wiggy because they all won't let them talk, and now we're making sure people – can you know chirp in and chime talk about some hockey here because uh, we know how rare that is in these parts. Correct. Now you are on uh, the Skate Pod Twitter more than I am. Absolutely. Uh, you tweet ferociously. People come back at you, chirp back. When, once Rob Bradford offered me a free meal I'm for a thousand over followers, it. we're not exactly. there yet. What are we at? Seven hundred. Well, we're at seven hundred, but we have a big uh, lead. People who work here full time don't bother tweeting or promoting their podcasts. I uh, have this as a small part of multiple things I do, and I still manage to promote it. All right. Well, Paul is on the line. How did you? Uh, what were you and Paul beefing about? Uh, we weren't really beefing. I was just I just threw it out there that anyone wants to come on and uh, you know weigh in. We need more voices. We need uh, different, uh, a little diversity in our voices. No one wants to hear me 
babble for a half hour every week. So we figured we'd let some people who are devoted listeners and fans, people who are reasonable and people who don't curse at me, tell me you have a big head, no, whatever. Please curse at Calvin Paul. <laughs> oh, <Welcome>. no. <laughs> Welcome to the Skate Podcast. Who, uh, who are you? Introduce yourself. Where are you from? I'm Paul Faria. I'm from uh, West Warwick, Rhode Island. Beautiful. Bruins fan, I imagine? I've been a Bruins fan my entire life. Uh, I've actually, of all the local teams, um, the Bruins have always been number one. I used to tell friends all the time I'd trade in every World Series and Super Bowl just to see the cup lifted. Nice. That's what I like to hear. Did you go to many games this year? Uh, just a couple games this year. Um, we usually try and get up onto the ninth floor up there. We really like to look at You can see the whole play develop while you're up there, and it's nice that you get. What do they charge um, for those? What are the what's the face value of those tickets? Uh they were seventy bucks. Oh, that's not bad. That's yeah, not too bad. Well, it's like you get yeah, you get a folding chair up against um, a railing. Oh, that's the media section. We're fully fully aware. Comments yeah. and stuff oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Well, which is nice too, is because there's no line at the concession, the bathroom, it doesn't have a line. Beautiful. And uh, you never know who you're gonna bump into up there. Well, how are you feeling? I mean, after the cup loss in game seven, um, just the, as the off season has developed, what's uh, what's your outlook on the Bruins here? Well, I was I had to take some time to myself. Um, you know, <laughs> my wife is she she knows that I get she just give me my space because I can get pretty dark. Um, and anybody of my friends who follows me on Facebook uh, will see that I am like the most negative poster. Um, I I live Facebook the games and I am just like hopefully my negativity usually works and they'll always come back. But um, this time. It just they felt like they gripped their sticks a little too tight in Game Seven, right from the get-go. I did, I would have had a better feeling about that Game Seven if it was on the road than at home. Just the history of this team. Yeah, I agree, and you know what? I think that that goes back to some things I'm you know I'm still concerned about about Bruce Cassidy and in in his way he gets teams prepared sometimes, and maybe uh, he's such an emotional guy. I think sometimes even with older veteran players like he has and the core that he leans on, I think sometimes that rubs off on them, and we've seen them. Uh, come out tight in some big games and, and then win some big games. So, you know, there's still a learning curve there, I think. And uh, there's definitely oh, yeah. uh, some aspect of that. And this team's got a great core. Sure. But that core going forward, I was just kind of, no, and I just coming out, I was trying to like go through, make some notes so I wouldn't be completely unprepared. But you know, <laughs> the core that I look at, like the first tier core is like Bergy, Marsh, Krejci, Rask, and Chara. Yeah. And those guys are all like, you know, I'm in my late 30s. I don't know how those guys do it and still can like plug it. You're at you're taking years off your life the deeper you go into the playoffs every year. Sure. So a 34 year old hockey player is probably more like 38. Right. At this point, especially exactly. the way Bergey plays. So I, you know, the the window is really closed and tight on these guys. They probably have maybe one two more years. Yeah. So what's your biggest concern right now? You think? My biggest concern is we don't have anybody playing right wing. Yep. You know, Pasta's great. I love, but what is he? Is he the guy who's going to get us to the playoffs? But once we get there, we need secondary scoring. He hasn't been able to be consistent enough. So we need somebody else to step up. And DeBrusque, he shows signs of it, but there was times in the playoffs. I know he got knocked pretty hard, and he might have been playing concussed the rest of the the playoffs because he was kind of a a ghost of himself. And then, you know, you got cement shoes, David Bass. (laughs) (laughs) so you know i I love the guy but you know the game the bruins have evolved and that's why they made it that far is they they went young and they went fast and that was the first time because that's kind of how we were uh, you know going back and forth on twitter when um you guys originally put out that um 
um, Wiggy said trade, you know, Bergeron. Yeah, right. <laughs> so going back and forth, we were just throwing ideas back from like the 80s and the late 90s and early 2000s. The Bruins always tried to copy what was working in the league. And Sinden was always trying to do it hamstrung right. with it because there was no cap at the time. You know, the, the Jeff Odgers trying to get tough. Yeah. Like we got Jeff Odgers. The guy was a. <laughs> you know, and then we tried the Russian experiments. Sure. How many, you know, we got, you know, what are you going to get? You're going to get a Rosie Vlad um, Rajichka. Right. Then we got Samsonov, which was great. The uh, only two time rookie of the year in the IHL and then right in the NHL. But. Well, it's interesting. Oh, sorry to cut you off, no, Paul, but it no, is it no, is no, okay. it is interesting that the Blues are thought of as a heavy team, and teams like Calgary trading for Lucic, mm. you know, as overreaction for getting pushed around uh, in the Colorado series, whatever. There is still a narrative out there that you need some some physicality. I don't know if the Bruins are lacking that. I don't think that's going to be like a big off season push for them to get right. tougher. But they are keeping backs around for for now, anyway. Well. Well, yeah, but there's always balance there. Like that's sure. uh, you don't want to overreact. Um, the bro- this series reminded me we were the Vancouver Canucks of 2011, and yep. the Blues were the Bruins. Right. You know they we were the more talented team. We thought we had already won it before we even got there, and we got, you know, we blew them out in certain games. It just right. there was no consistency there. Yeah. And when it came push came a shove, you know they showed up in Game Seven and we didn't. We were watching some highlights, my son and I, and we watched. There's some highlights of Game Three, and we're like, "How did the Bruins win a Game Seven to Two and then still lose the series?" Yep. It was exactly like what happened. <laughs> like you have Marshawn in Game Seven, seven seconds left in the first period, decides, oh, "I'm just going to go for a line change right, with exactly. seven seconds to go." Right. Like, you know, maybe two could have came up with that save, but still, right. I didn't put that completely yeah. on him. The Blues, the Blues did a good job, I think, of. Not only playing great hockey, but playing physical nature, but also kind of getting in the Bruins' heads. I think um, just the way they played, there might have been some trash talk involved as well, and just they just had some magic uh, that the Bruins couldn't overcome and get out of their oh. own way. Oh, they did, and and when you're talking physicality, you don't have to be a big guy. I know Krug's listed at five nine. Right. Guys, like was that counting his skates? Right. It's all about physics. Yeah. You got he showed when he took the guys, he knocked that guy and made a yard sale on the ice. So you can hit. Don Sweeney wasn't a big guy, and he used to crush people. So it's just about you know using your weight properly in the game and playing with a little more physicality. There's a lot of big guys in this league that are like six six, and they play like they're five nine. Right, like, exactly. <laughs> Favorite thing about the organization right now? What's what's like uh, uh, the Bruins fan? My- my favorite thing about this organization right now is this team actually looks like they like to play with each other. Mm-hmm. And I love that Charlie Jacobs seems to have more of a role than his dad and that Charlie seems to want this team to win. But I was hearing your last podcast about the salary cap. Yeah. The Jacobs won. Right. That like the first they had a salary cap years ago. It was called Ray Bork. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody made more money than Ray, and no one will honestly couldn't demand more money than Ray. And how many guys left because sure. of it? Absolutely. So you know now they it's we were in cap hell because uh, Shirelli fell in love with everybody and just decided just give money foolishly to to guys that helped win the cup. But now Don Sweeney's learned from those mistakes, and you just you can't fall in love with certain players. You just gotta. 
pick and choose, and I think he's doing the right job. But, you know, you're not going to hit on everyone. Uh, so that's as a fan that's where i like i like and i also like the fact that cassidy is the complete opposite of julian mm-hmm. he he lets the young kids play even through mistakes and you if julian was still on the team i don't think you'd ever see a guy like Pasternak flourish or debrusque hell i don't even maybe heinen would be playing but he'd be like a fourth <laughs> line every day because the guy plays the full length of the ice and that's what you know claude always loved but you know, you're not going to win games with four lines of you know, Heinen's. <laughs> That's right. All-time favorite Bruins. My all-time favorite Bruin, it used to be Ray. And then he broke my heart when he decided that he had to win a cup. Oh, really? Wow. So you didn't yeah. you didn't celebrate that parade? No, I didn't go to the parade, and I thought anybody who went to the parade was an idiot. I'm oh. Like the guy left you. What What if you hosted? Left. What if you were the MC of that parade? Oh, was that Dale? <laughs> I'm just, oh, well, do you want to talk about the curse of Dale Arnold? They haven't won a cup since he's came back, but that's a different one. <laughs> but but I'm just saying, I yeah. loved Ray, but then sure. Ray, he left. Like, you had Adam Oates talk out against the, the ownership, right. saying he wanted more players on the team. And what happened? They traded him away. Right. Ray could have stood up and said, you know, Adam's right. Yep. We need more than just one line of Hall of Famers. We need, you know, maybe a second and third line to help us get us through the playoffs. But no, and then we got Chris Bork after that too, where we could have we could have gotten a bag of you know traded him for a bag of pucks, but we traded a what a draft pick for him or some other minor leaguer for him. But yeah. that's just my Ray Bork rant. Right. Ray Ray broke my heart, and he made me realize that professional athletes, it's their job, and I I can't hurt them, you know, for that. That's they're going for the cup, and that's what they want. But I look at other guys like Bergie. Bergie is my all-time favorite. The guy plays the game the right way. It was him and uh, and Thomas. Those were the two. That's why Wiggy is dead to you. <laughs> oh no, I my I had no problem with Wiggy's argument. My only problem with Wiggy's trade Bergeron is you won't get anything for him. Right. Nothing that would help the Bruins going forward. Bergie is great, but if you're going to trade him, you trade him at thirty. You sure. don't trade him at thirty-four. Right, and that just doesn't happen in this league usually, unless a guy forces his way out right like what are you going to get for a bergeron trade you know you might get a first round pick but the first round picks uh, the patriots trade first round picks left and right because... <laughs> exactly <laughs> right yeah and if, it's just like if you look at the penguins i mean like the team that we kept bringing up the malkin thing yeah if they, they should have traded they should have probably traded malkin a couple years ago too maybe you know so yeah it's it's about keeping your core identifying your core players and keeping those and selling high on guys that you might not, you know, they might burn you later on, but they might not. There's a chance. Just like in baseball, I know the A's used to, like, love um, selling high on uh, closers Mm -hmm. and then just put another starter in the closer position. Right. Exactly. But. Good call, Paul. This is a good start to the uh, skate pod. Yes, good good leadoff call. Excellent Bruins insight. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, you know, anytime you guys want to talk again, let me know. I'll I'll, I'll definitely jump on. Yeah, we'll uh, do that. And you gotta you gotta sh- uh, have Halsey come on too. Okay. He's, uh, he and I will uh, text back and forth the entire game. So. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, we'll thank you it. very much, guys, for Thanks having for me. All right. Thanks a lot. It. You have a good day. Yep. Bye. Well, there you go. First in the history of the uh, skate podcast. I did think he was pretty good. You know, yeah. Stuff.
Well, yeah, you think I you, you think I don't know how to vet, done radio. You think I don't know how to vet these things? I well vetted. Hey, Bob, how are you? I'm good, Matt. How you doing? Great. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you calling yeah, in. Yeah, I appreciate it. You guys do a good job. Thank Thanks. You, I was just telling Ken about your your dad, Coach Bobby Orr. Yeah, he was a he uh he grew up near Perry Sound. He was a few years older than Bobby, but he played for the Generals and had a bad knee injury, or whatever, and wound up being a a coach for him. So when Bobby's first couple of years there, he was there, and then he got into you know working for a living. Went to went to work for Gulf Oil and all that. This was twenty years or so before I was even born. But, <laughs> So I, my dad worked for Gulf Oil and got moved, transferred down to Florida when they were doing offshore drilling, and then uh, I was born. So I grew up a hockey fan from from my Bruins fan ever since I can remember wow. because of Bobby. And uh, but you um, never you never lived so, in Boston or anything. Never lived in Boston. Wow. But uh, we had we had 1985. We built a house just north of Tampa, and we had one of those big old satellite dishes. And as soon as the house was uh, was closed in, we were on the you know, sitting on the plywood watching watching Nesson and TV 38. And um, so I was uh, six or seven, eight years old, and that's when I started. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, I, it wasn't very accessible other than in the street. And I was the one kid that played hockey and knew how to skate in Tampa. Huh. Uh, but the nearest rink was 70 miles from my house. Yeah. So I just loved it. I mean, I, I played all the other sports. I played football and, you know, baseball. And and those were fine. But uh, hockey was – I just fell in love with it and uh, went to my first – NHL game um, in Maple Leaf Gardens. It was Gretzky's first game uh, as a king, and it was 88 or 89. Yep. And that third row gold, because my uncle was, was a scout for the Leafs for a while. Um, and so I just, it was just, had season tickets for Lightning their first couple of years in the old Expo Hall down in the fairgrounds. That place was a dump, but it was, it was great just having hockey. And, but I, by then I was a Bruins fan through and through. Went to a couple of games this year in the playoffs and, Went up for the parade in 2011. Went up for games three and four in 2011, hmm. and um, lived in Atlanta for a while. So we saw when they played the Thrashers, and then when the Thrashers left, uh, my son and I would go up to see them play Nashville. Uh, but now we moved back down here to Florida, where I'm from, where my wife is from. So we struggle for for Bruins action, because <laughs> I've, I've always wanted to live up there and be close to it, but just just never never was able to. Make that move. So. Well, at least you're there for the big uh, Bruins-Tampa rivalry, right? What's it like being a Bees fan down in uh, in Lightning country? Well, you know, I, I grew up liking the Lightning because, you know, we had season tickets, and it was great. I mean, I I was on the – I was 11 or 12, and I played on the Tampa Bay Junior Lightning team, and I've got pictures skating with Espo, both Espositos, and, you know, by then I was – I knew Phil Esposito from, from the Bruins, and, um, you know, so I grew up a Lightning fan, because they weren't in our division. They were in the Norse division. They played in the, you know, the other conference forever. I actually liked the Leafs, too, for the same reason. They never really – but now they're rivals, and it's uh, – well, it was fun this year. I mean, it wasn't fun so much last year. Yeah, what but, was the uh, – I mean, what was the reaction down there when they get swept? They get swept. Oh, it's pretty bad. I mean, it was uh, – my son plays in, uh, on, on youth, youth hockey down here, and the Lightning sponsors their, their team, so they wear Lightning jerseys, and there's Lightning everywhere at the rink in Jacksonville. And uh, it was, I mean, like all the kids, are, of course, you know, he plays in the Stamkos, the Stamkos division, and there's the Kucherov division, yada, yada, yada. And, and uh, it was it was pretty, I mean, there's a lot of fans, and they were, they were not real happy. I mean, yeah. of course, I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> um, you know, but like I said, not so much last year, but, like, I didn't grow up hating the Lightning. Yeah. I grew up hating the Penguins because of what they did to Neely, who was, I grew, was my, Neely and Reggie Lemon were my two favorite players. 
as a kid. And I grew up hating the Penguins and, of course, Montreal. Um, but I never grew up hating the Leafs or the Lightning because, like I said, they didn't play very much. Right. Um, so, so it's just a little bit different. And, and uh, you know, I enjoyed when the Lightning won because you know, it's just, just to have hockey, you know, be be a big deal down here. I mean, it's, it's yeah. so much bigger than it was when I was growing up. I Absolutely. Mean, it, there is a gorgeous rink in Wesley Chapel, just north of Tampa now. It's about five miles from where I grew up. Where if it had been there when I was a kid, I would have never played another sport. I mean, it's just, it's just, <laughs> right. it's beautiful. Yep. Four rinks and beautiful pro shop. I mean, there, it's, it's just exploded down here. Not so much in Miami, but in the Tampa area, it's it's absolutely exploded. And it's great to see. It's such a good game. Yeah. So, so, so Bob, what what concerns you about the Bruins right now? What do you want to talk about? Well, I. I got I got the backest thing figured out. Of course, okay. my amateur, right. you know, GM, first GM one. thing. Beautiful. You know, yeah, no kidding. And then there's always, of, of course, there's extenuating circumstances that I'm sure we don't know about, which is why they haven't been able to, to dump it. But I think you go to them and you say, listen, you, there's three there's three things here. The fourth option of you playing for us next year, it's just not going to happen. We can't have a $6 million, you know, 14th forward on our roster. Right. It's just, it doesn't make any sense for a team trying to win the cup. So you, you say, hey, we're going to work out a trade to somebody in the league to get you off the books and to let you leave with some dignity. Either two, you're going to be stashed in Providence and we'll get a million dollars in savings. Or three, I don't know what your, what your head situation or the injury situation is, but I don't even know really exactly how the, L, the long-term injury reserve works. But that might be, I don't know if even that's an option or not. I know he's been banged up and I know he's, he had something going on this summer. Of course, nobody really knows what the hell's yeah, going on. Right. Um, but at least that may leave, let him leave with some dignity, give him a job in the organization. We win a cup. He still gets his name, you know, that, but there's, there's no way he can play. I don't see any way with, with, with the glaring holes that they still have on the roster, how they can justify having a guy making $6 million still on the team. I just, we're just never, I just, yeah. I just, I just cannot see it. Yeah. I mean, they so have, that's to... what I, I would go to him and say, listen, David, you make the decision. What do you want to do? I will, yeah. I will admit that. A few days ago, just daydreaming, I, I pictured because I remember I was remembering when Coyle came over, when they got Charlie Coyle, and David Backus said to me, uh, and I wrote about this. He said, "I think they got Charlie Coyle to be my center. This is this is my chance." <laughs> and he had a couple of good games, like right after that. And then you know we know what happened after that. And I just keep imagining, like I was just thinking, what if a summer of rest and working out. And he comes back refreshed in camp, rebirth? and they put him with coil. What if this actually did work out? And of course, then I, I woke up. <laughs> well, they, they, I, I, that would be great. It would solve a lot of problems. But they've they've given the guy. I mean, and I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, they could dump him, and they could get you know they could go and get a guy like Chris Carter, even if it's for a year. Because guys, we don't have much left of this window. I mean, well, that's just uh, it. Exactly. We, were, we we were gifted this past season. If they don't make a couple of improvements, so they don't, it doesn't have to be drastic. But they're not going to beat, right. you know, the Lightning or even maybe even the Leafs next year. That's no guarantee, right? And then and then and then you you know we've somehow figured out a way to not tank and and bring your team back from you know 2011, and then we didn't have to go to the doldrums to to, sure. to come and be successful again. But that's not a given either. Um, and so I just, they've got to do something. And I, I would go to him and I'd say, listen, Dave, you make the decision. But yeah. So it's basically a threat. Work. I mean, your, your, your plan, Bob, is to basically say the worst options await you unless you take, you fake an injury and we settle with you somehow. Well, what, I mean, 
it's, I just cannot see the option of keeping him on the team yeah. as a 14th forward right. from making $6 million. Yeah, and if he retires, that, that would actually give them the most cap relief. So that maybe you, you have to yeah. <laughs> convince hey, him. Hey, if you don't, you're playing in Providence. Yeah. yeah, give you a job in player development or, or something where you still get your name on the cup because at the end of the day, it's still his best chance to get his name on the cup. Right. Whoever's going to take him is not going to win you know, 10, 10, 12 games a year, whatever it is. They're not going to be successful. But what do you? I mean, you're you're between a rock and a hard place if you're swinging. I mean, it was a horrible contract. It's the, one of the first, the, the few things Hags ever got right. But he <laughs> called it when they signed him. Yeah, it was a terrible deal. Everybody knew it was a terrible deal. Yeah, and it's it is, and it's holding them back from. I mean, you you, you if you dump him, and you move more or Miller, and you you're freed up, you know, eight, nine, ten million dollars. Now you can you can improve yourself for this season, but. Going into it, I just—I mean, as much as the run was great, I just don't see it. And I've, I've watched the Bruins enough. I've already predicted on Twitter they're going to struggle this season. They're going to squeak in, and we'll see if they can win around. I mean, I just—I can see that coming just because of you know the long playoffs and the and the sure. hangover and all those things. I mean, I I love the Bruins more than anything, but they've broken my heart more than they've <laughs> they've they've you know made it made it the you know made my day yeah yeah i mean yeah a lot of cup final losses yeah i mean shoot i'm i go back to to i mean 88 and they never had a shot in 88 Uh, it was it was just beating montreal that year was the was basically the stanley cup and then in 90 i my my, i still remember the peter klima goal i wake i woke up or i stayed up till two three o'clock in the morning to watch that guy score that goal whatever time it was (laughs) And I thought they had a shot in that series. You know, if Wesley had a scored, and they, of course they hadn't had that Klima goal, and then that was, I think that wasn't that the series the lights went out, or was that '88? Uh, that was '90. Yeah, that was definitely '90. Yep. Yeah, one of those two series, the lights went out, yep. and they had to right. play. <laughs> but uh, you know, they've broken your heart more than they've. Right. They've, but but you know, as as a Mets fan, I will tell you that you know all the heartbreak. It's sooner or later it will pay off, I suppose, and. <laughs> Hey, I'm a Mets fan too, by the way. Oh, there you go. That's why we had John. Oh, this explains it. Yeah, I grew up in I grew up in Tampa, and my brother played with Dwight Gooden in high school. Oh, cool. Ball. Hillsbury Hillsbury High team. School. Uh, no, no, he didn't go to Hillsbury. Okay. but he played on they played on all star teams together. Oh, okay. They call, awesome. They call it Legion Ball down yep, here. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I in '83, I think we was drafted. I was six years old, so I grew up I grew up a huge Mets fan. Cool. Still am. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't really boast about that too often, but, <laughs> but I, I do follow them. And uh, you know, when, when I lived in Atlanta, we'd go down and watch them play the Braves and lose to the Braves. And but uh, I am a Mets fan, but much much bigger Bruins fan, much bigger. Well, good call, Bob. We've had two so, good callers today. You and uh, Paul, who preceded you, were the first two callers to our podcast. And this uh, is great. It's good insight. Good stuff from fans who have been there from the you know their whole lives. So that's yep. awesome. Very well spoken. Everything awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, you guys do a good job, and we were starved for. Thankfully, the internet exists now. Because yeah. back when I was growing up, I was lucky to get a see a blurb in the Tampa Tribune or the St. Pete Times about anything. Right. Hockey. But uh, yeah, it, I grew up watching Dave Shea and Cusick and Sanderson, and nice. And uh, so it's it's good stuff. I yeah, I appreciate it. I listen to I listen to the, your competition, and I listen to you guys as much as I can. Um, but uh, my son and I love it. We had we had plane tickets booked the next morning to go to Boston for the parade oh, wow. in a couple of days and thankfully they were refundable yeah that's right <laughs> but, uh, that was and that was that was the worst part about all of it my, my son is 12 and oh, he wasn't old no. enough and 11 to really enjoy it sure 
and he was just devastated. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. You know, I've seen him win once in my lifetime, so I'm good. You know, obviously we want to win him. You know, I want to win every year, but I'm good. I've seen right. him once. I went to the parade, and it was it was just incredible. So I'm good. But for seeing him, yeah, he was crying, and oh man, that was that was tough to take. That's but right. That's... Every time he screws up, every time he screws up on the ice, I say, hey, guys, hey, say, buddy, look, Marshawn did it. I mean, <laughs> that's right. Every, everybody's gonna. He missed a wide open net and then, then screwed up a line change yep. in Game Seven. It doesn't get any worse than that. <laughs> You're right about right. that. Awesome. All right, Bob. Thank you for calling in. Great, great conversation. All right, guys. Keep All right, up thank the you. Work. Have a good day, All right, Bob. See you. So these are two great callers. Two. And I just wanted to callers. give a shout out to you know Paul Farrier and Rylan, and you can follow him. At Slacker fifty six S L A C K E R fifty five or fifty six fifty five actually Slacker fifty five yep and then Bob Smith this is a tough one to remember at Bob Smith and I cannot see this number four six two eight zero five six six I believe Jesus. but we'll give them a shout Jesus. out on the Twitter too and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully some fans will start connecting with them and everyone will start you know sharing their stories and maybe one of them weigh in on the on the skate podcast love it love the tradition. All right, Maddie. Good spirit of debate at the beginning. I liked our callers, so uh, I think we had a solid podcast. Yeah, last week. Good to see you have some energy. I mean, I'm sure you're wor- you're worn out after four hours of the Hill show. Did, did they let you talk mm. at all on that show? Or uh, picking my spots? Right? All right, because I don't get to hear you guys as much. You and Curtis. It's like I thought maybe they muzzled muzzled you guys like in The Handmaid's Tale. They put uh, well when Mutt they was put on, now on your stars lips. the show. Now it's changed. It's seismic change, as Reamer put it. And that's been accurate. So uh, we're happy with the future. Looking forward to the future. You are going to do what? Well, we didn't even talk about John Beecher, who's had a big week. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll talk about that later in the week. I yeah. think I'll have a special extra Ooh. podcast oh, that maybe excellent. we'll talk Bonus. to somebody. Maybe we'll get somebody who saw our firsthand what uh, Beecher sense. was doing, so we'll talk about that then. Beautiful. And uh, don't listen to the off-day podcast. Avoid that at all costs. Well, be listen, against, uh, I, I would promote the off-day podcast. I would promote the Bradfo show. I would, report, I, would re- I would promote the Lone Rhymer, which is like, <laughs> who came up with that name? Someone, someone in an acidic fit came up with that these people are promoting their own product yeah you know andy hart doesn't even even he doesn't even follow the off day podcast twitter what is wrong with these people this is not the teen spirit that i was sold on for eei nope they don't have the buy-in that you and i do you know when 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 we come in here to spin country records someday it'll be their fault that's matt calvin i'm ken laird talk to you next week on the skate pod 